0: Welcome to the 11th episode of the first season of Justice Center Weekly, a half-hour video cast from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. I'm your host, Kevin Steele, and with me today is the president and founder of the center, John Carpe, who is here to give us a report on the George Jonas Award dinner that took place
1: in Toronto last week. John, how did it go? It was a wonderful evening. It was inspiring. It was fun. It was a source of encouragement. Uh, it, was, it was sold out weeks prior. Uh, Jordan Peterson was there in person. There were many, many people who got a chance to shake his hand, get their photo taken with him. Uh, he spoke brilliantly. And I had the, the honor of introducing a lot of special guests, um, including our, our staff lawyers, our uh, two members from the board of directors. Um, and uh, there, there are so many freedom fighters, citizen activists. There are doctors, medical doctors, and and uh, lawyers, and leaders of various groups, uh, all of whom are just fighting so hard. So I, they were all recognized, and um, I had to recognize them as one big group. If I mentioned everybody by name, it would have gone on uh, for a very long time, and just a uh, just a wonderful evening.
0: Hmm. of course as you say jordan peterson was the recipient this year uh can you maybe tell us he did he did give a speech didn't he and maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that just give us a, some insight into what
1: went on well there was there was prohibition on you know video recording audio recording his speech and um but what i remember it was it was about freedom of expression and i i think i am allowed to talk about it so uh, the thing that strikes me the most was the, the very close relationship between thinking and speaking. It is often as we speak that our thoughts get facilitated. And you've probably experienced that yourself, or maybe something's troubling you, bothering you, you're having a hard time making a decision, you have a chat with a friend, your friend says very little, but you just talk about the situation, you talk about the problem, and then after having talked about it, you have far greater clarity. And so when we when the government censors speech, the government is also partially censoring thought, not entirely, you can still have your own thoughts in your head that are always beyond the grasp or the reach of government. But the more that speech is censored, the harder it is to think things through. And it is in thinking that we get our bad ideas can get checked and challenged by other people. And we can discard them. And uh, so if you ban speech, you're banning that opportunity to have bad ideas get confronted and challenged. The other key point that sticks with me anyways is that the substitute for speech is fists and violence. So if you ban speech, uh, then speech ceases to be as good of a a vehicle for a vehicle or a tool for people to resolve their their differences and to hear each other out and to understand each other and to work out compromises. If you kill off speech, then the only thing left is fists and and, and pitchforks. So freedom of speech helps to facilitate a a less violent society. So those are some of my my own takeaways from. Uh, uh, also, we did a fireside chat after the uh, after he gave a speech. And so Jordan Peterson and I sat on stage in two comfy chairs, and I asked him four questions. And one of them was about you know the mainstream media. How much longer do we have to wait for them to die? And his <laughs> response was, you know, or do we do we try to do we try to uh, intervene to make them less corrupt, or do we just give up? on government funded media entirely and just put all, put all of our resources behind people like uh True North and The Rebel and The Western Standard and The Epoch Times and The Counter Signal and so on. And Jordan's response was interesting. He he said, "No, they're they're not dying. They're already dead. They died a long um, time ago."
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose so, but you know, they're still prevalent in Disseminating narratives, I mean, that's obvious. Uh, I Even as I do research for this podcast or the, the one that we, you and I do audio only, you know, a lot of the times I'm checking mainstream media sources. Even though I may not believe what they have to say, um, I still do check them sort of as a reference for people to sort of follow the progress of an issue in society.
1: Well, Jordan Peterson referenced Joe Rogan, who was denounced mm. by... I don't know if it was uh, NBC or, or CNN or there was some mainstream media outlet that denounced Joe Joe Rogan as fringe. And <laughs> Jordan Peterson said Joe Rogan's got more viewers and listeners than this this media outlet. He also said that the um, when you see government funded media or so called mainstream media uh, on screens at airports. When they report their numbers of viewers, they include people at airports that are walking by as part oh, okay. of their viewership right. for their statistics. So uh, you know, maybe maybe Jordan Peterson's incorrect. Uh, I, I I would I, maybe you, like you raise a good point, Kevin. And Maybe it's more accurate to say that that they are dying and they're not dead yet because certainly in the last three and a half years of this uh, COVID lockdowns and vaccine passports nightmare, uh, which is not yet over we we've seen that that the government funded media do exert a lot of of influence so perhaps it's a stretch to say that they're already dead i i i would agree
0: with that i think uh, but then again i i know the uh i guess the exhilaration of pronouncing them dead so i'm, I'm sure that that was appreciated on stage at least <laughs> okay uh just maybe you could just tell us a little bit about the award i know that you've you've explained this before in prior pro- podcasts uh but and i think we'd like to hear it again it, you know this is named after george jonas why is
1: jordan peterson a good recipient of this award uh just give us quick history so george jonas was born in 1935 in hungary he and his family were jewish the uh hungary was governed by a an anti-semitic fascist regime which, towards the end of the war, was replaced by uh, another uh, pro-Nazi regime that was just violently anti-Semitic. And so they, uh, George Jonas uh, remembers living under the Nazis or Nazi supporters, uh, but he also remembers living under Stalinist communism. He escaped to Canada in 1956 and went on to become a best-selling author and journalist and poet and in his last uh, 20 years or so he was a columnist with the National Post. He wrote brilliantly about laws and constitutions and government policy. Uh, he was a great friend of the Justice Center. He served on the board of directors of a, of a charitable foundation that gave the Justice Center grants for several years uh, in the early years of the Justice Center. Uh, the charitable foundation kind of wound up and is no longer active today, but that was very helpful to the Justice Centre. So the prior recipients include Mark Stein, winner in 2018, and then Christy Blatchford, 2019, uh, Society for Academic Freedom and Scholarship in 2020, and uh, leading up to Jordan Peterson in 2023. As the, and, and it's given to a Canadian in recognition of his or her uh significant contributions to defending canada as a free society that is the criterion. okay and in one sentence how did jordan peterson do that standing up to the college of psychologists of ontario in uh january 2023 i think it was and they're going to force him into sensitivity training to teach him how to uh, better use social media and uh, he pushed back and said bring it on, let's have a hearing. And then there is a peaceful protest outside of the college's office. And now they are dragging their heels on the disciplinary proceedings. But that kind of courage goes all the way back to about 2016 or so when he publicly objected to uh, government legislation. I think it was Bill C-16 that uh, would require people to use the words that government wanted them to use in terms of weird new pro Pronouns becoming uh, a legal obligation.
0: Right. And as they attempted to punish him, he became world famous. So that one backfired spectacularly on the whole crowd, I would say. Yeah. Anyways, glad, I'm glad that he's the recipient this year. Excellent. Okay. Thanks for that report, John. Maybe uh, we can move on to uh, some subjects that uh, you're maybe following right now, as some topics, some things that uh, are going on that are. Yeah, catching your attention?
1: Well, the interesting development in New Brunswick where the Premier Blaine Higgs uh, is saying that for children under 16, uh, parents are to be notified if the child, if the boy wants to become a girl or if the girl wants to try to become a boy, if they want to take on uh, opposite gender names and start wearing opposite gender clothes and if they want to, you know, take very drastic uh, life-altering steps like taking puberty blockers or taking uh, opposite sex hormones if they want to move in the direction of uh, transgender surgery, all of that stuff for kids under 16, parents should be notified. And that has triggered uh, outrage from the predictable quarters and the predictable name calling and the Predictable fear-mongering, so outrage coming from certain uh, progressives that want to impose their agenda on on everybody. Uh, Name-calling, the premier is being called transphobic. And the fear-mongering is, well, your policy is going to drive kids to suicide, so you have to withdraw it, and you're hateful, and you're transphobic, and so on and so forth. And um, I think it's a very legitimate common sense policy to say that parents need to be kept in the dark. It is certainly consistent with Charter Section 7 because the right to life, liberty, and security of the person includes the right of parents to raise and educate their own children um, as parents deem best, not necessarily as a political activist or or politician might deem best. Right. Do you see the latest on this, actually? Uh,
0: They... Canadian Press which I consider to be the fakest of the fake news has a new story out that a group of uh, New Brunswick PCs progressive conservatives are uh, trying to oust Mr. Higgs now our premier Higgs that's the uh, the latest thing that is going on i guess the uh, the PCs the constituency presidents a certain amount of them are trying to push him out because he has divided the party i uh, I don't know how much credence to give that, but anyways, it is making the rounds in the, uh, in the Canadian press.
1: Now the, the Calgary Catholic school board has been subjected to the same kind of name calling from the same quarters uh, because their policy is that a child's name at the school is the name that the parents give to the child that the parents want used. And certainly if, if a, You know, if a child with parents' consent wants to, you know, get his formal name changed from Robert to Bob, or even from uh, from Robert to Susan, if parents are involved, then those name changes can take place. However, uh, Calgary Catholic is not going to have a situation where uh, a child says, you know, where a girl says, "Well, you know, I'm starting immediately. I'm using a boy's name, Zach." So then immediately. Uh, the school changes all of the school records and uh, to uh, to conform to Zach, which it just occurred to me just now i i don't know how they would continue to keep parents in the dark at report card time because if this girl takes home a report card issued in the name of Zach or Zachary, parents are going to know by way of the report card so i i don't quite know how you know i don't know what the plans were in that regard, but it's the same notion that parents have a right to know what is going on in the lives of their own children. And no, uh, teachers and political activists and government employees and social workers are not on par with parents, they're not equal. Uh, Parents, most parents would run into a burning building to save the life of their own child, but it's also part of human nature that most of us would not be quite as enthusiastic about going into a burning building to save the life of somebody else's child. Not saying you wouldn't, I'm just saying there'd be a a very discernible, noticeable difference in response rate of what people are willing to do for their own child versus what they're willing to do for somebody else's child. It's not at all the same thing.
0: Well, this started a while ago, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, uh, when the uh, teachers and the teachers unions started to call themselves co-parents. They use this term co-parenting, you know, and uh, I remember when Ezra Levant picked up on it back uh, when he was—I think he was still doing his show on uh, Sun News—he had a good time with that. But yeah, that they've been doing that for about ten years now. They are trying to take the lead, take the uh, lead from parents and become the primary parents. That's what I think is
1: uniting people against them. Well, and it's interesting in 1948 with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which was heavily influenced by. The fact that there had just been a world war in the preceding years, Uh, so this is 1948, so we've just defeated uh, Nazi Germany, Mussolini's Italy, um, Imperial Japan, and those regimes understood very well that if you want to change society, you've got to get into the minds and hearts of kids. And in order to do that the most effectively possible, you have to exclude parents. Adolf Hitler said at one point, "You know, I don't, I don't care about the older people who disagree with me. You're all going to die off, uh, but we've got your kids." And so, uh, ideologues uh, of all stripes are are quite aware of the fact that if they can get into the schools and if they can indoctrinate kids, then that's a, you know a good growth opportunity for whatever your ideology is. I mean, it could be you know whatever your issue, whatever your cause. Everybody wants to have access to the children's minds. But a free society respects the right of parents to raise and educate their children. And and parental rights are one of the bulwarks against totalitarianism. Totalitarian state crushes the freedoms of expression, association, conscience, religion, uh, peaceful assembly, the right to bodily autonomy. All these rights and freedoms get crushed, including the right of parents to raise and educate their own children. Uh, That's what totalitarianism is all about. Whereas in a free society, one of the things that protects uh, kids is that that they have the full protection of their parents that is not being undermined by the state. Right.
0: This issue, the one that one in New Brunswick and the Catholic school boards, we're not uh, at the Justice Center
1: fighting a case on this right now, are we? We aren't right now, but we had quite the battle a number of years ago in Alberta. There was Bill Twenty Four, which made it illegal for. teachers and principals to inform parents about what is going on with the parents' children at school in regards to gay-straight alliances. And so we had a situation where any ideologue could uh, go speak at any gay-straight alliance at any school in Alberta, expose the kids to pornography, expose the kids to transgender ideology, use the gay-straight alliance to... um, persuade kids to start taking puberty blockers, uh, per- tell kids that that their parents are the enemy, uh, tell kids that they should adopt the opposite sex identity. All of this was to be kept secret from parents under that law. And so the Justice Center challenged it in court. Uh, we were... I've got a really thick skin, but we were, of course, we were subjected to name calling, and we were called, you know, transphobic and homophobic and hateful, and we were accused of not caring if gay teenagers commit suicide. All these horrible accusations, and um, so we were willing to take the heat for that and be the tip of the spear in the court action, and that created enough political room for the opposition United Conservative Party to say that if they took power, they would repeal that law that kept parents in the dark. And so after the UCP won the election in early 2019, they did repeal that law. And so our uh, court action was rendered moot because what we were asking for in court to have that law struck down uh, the government used its majority in the legislative assembly and and passed it and repealed that law on its own and then our court action was uh was declared moot happily so one of the few times i guess where we're happy to see it declared
0: moot when uh, we accomplished the goal uh without having to finish the court case yeah yes indeed uh one of the things i think that you had mentioned to me uh recently was that you one thing that fascinated you was the way it seems to be uniting parents and various factions uh, around Canada. And this was uh,
1: somewhat intriguing. Maybe you can tell us, expand on that a little bit. So in both Ottawa and Calgary, we had situations where Muslim parents and Christian parents uh, and and other parents not adhering to, to either of those faiths were there together, united, saying, leave our kids alone. And the message, you can see this on the internet if you were to Google uh, Ottawa school board, Parent protest or Calgary, uh, Calgary parent protest. The idea is, you know, if you want to be, uh, if you're an adult and you want to be transgender, uh, you want to dress up like the opposite sex, whatever you want to do in your own life, go ahead and do that. But leave our kids alone. That was one of the chants that the parents were crying out: "Is leave our kids alone." And parents do not want transgender ideology or or any other ideology. Uh, pushed on their kids. So it's the idea of freedom, you know, you uh LGBTQ, trans, whatever, do whatever you want to do, live your lives, uh, be who you want to be, but leave our kids alone. And I was, I'm not aware of uh I I don't follow politics as closely as you do, Kevin, and I, I don't follow it as closely as as some people, but I I do follow it somewhat. This is the first time that 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 I've ever heard of Muslims and Christians getting together for a political cause of some kind. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe our viewers are, you know, welcome email info at jccf.ca. Uh, we can do a correction. You know, maybe there's other causes, but this is the first time that I'm aware of uh, Muslim and Christian parents actively, openly, publicly uh, joining together for a protest. Uh, in this in this instance, uh, being uh, in defense of of uh, their children and and not sexualizing their children.
0: Well, I think that's common to all parents. I think that's the uh, the uniter there is the fact that they are parents, uh, their primary parents. They're not accepting of this co-parent thing. I did I did notice one line in a CBC story somewhere that said that uh, the counter protesters, that is the uh, the people that were from the trans community and. Uh, and the uh, other groups, they actually didn't show up in full force because they were afraid of being seen as anti-Muslim uh, or Islamophobic. So this was having some effect, obviously, on the uh, the counter protest. But I have noticed that this year, in general, the the pushback from at least in the street, the pushback from the uh, the the Pride community and the trans trans community has been a lot less like they seem to have backed off a little bit uh, because of all the uh, the pushback that's going on there seems to be a little bit of a, a swing the other way now have you noticed anything like
1: that yeah well you know i i don't i try to avoid predicting what's going to happen in the future but it's certainly hmm. a positive development when uh, when muslims and christians are publicly united together uh, in support of a uh, fundamental charter right, which is the right of parents to raise and educate their own children and the right of children to be protected by their own parents. An underlying premise here that is very troubling, and this is the case with uh, there are school boards in Ontario currently, certainly the Durham school board, uh, and I'm aware of others, has a policy that says if a boy Says that he is a girl, or he wants to become a girl, or or both. Uh, then the school board is to not inform the boy's parents. You know, if vice versa, if a girl says that she's a boy or she wants to become a boy, there's a Durham school board policy that parents are not to be notified, and so the church, the school is going to carry on practices in secret and allow that boy or girl to use an opposite sex name and start dressing like the opposite sex, using the bathrooms of the opposite sex, which of course is is problematic when you've got uh, 14-year-old boys that can just walk into (laughs) girls' bathroom. Girls don't like that. Uh, That was at the heart of one of the Ottawa protests was a a father saying that uh, he's got two daughters who are, I forget, 10 and 12, something like that, or 10 and eight, 12 and eight. And they obviously, they don't want a male in the girl's bathroom or change room. And for that, this father was silenced by the the Ottawa Carleton School Board. Anyway, my point is the underlying premise that's very toxic, very dangerous, is this underlying premise that parents are bad and dangerous and unsafe. And teachers and political activists and social workers and other government employees are good and wonderful and safe. And that's a completely false dichotomy because the truth of the matter is that a very, very small minority parents are bad parents and they are dangerous and they are unsafe. And it would be in the best interest of the children if they no longer live with their own parents. That is a very, very, very small minority. 99 point something percent of parents are imperfect, but they are not a danger or a threat. And it's the same for teachers. 99 point something percent of teachers are imperfect, but they are generally trustworthy. They're not dangerous, but you have a small minority. Um, And the same for every group. And what this ideology proposes falsely is that uh, parents are evil and untrustworthy, uh, but the teachers, uh, social workers, gay activists, trans activists, uh government bureaucrats are all 100 percent trustworthy so we have to have policies that treat parents as dangerous and treat everybody else as trustworthy and that is an underlying false premise true enough i just
0: want to end on a somewhat amusing note uh, regarding this story as well a, a something that came out of uh Out of uh, England actually uh, in the GB news where when did it come out oh yeah on the 20th yeah here's the headline schools allowing children to identify as horses dinosaurs and cats as pupils communicate with animal noises boy that took me back to my uh, my junior high years I mean if you ever had a moment to you know get under a teacher's skin you would take it right Obviously, these kids have picked up on, I guess, the ridiculousness of this identity uh, pronoun thing and have gone, uh, 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 they're running with it, let's just say, and uh, who knows how far that's going to go. It's, it's apparently causing a lot of turmoil amongst the teachers uh, who don't necessarily support this, but they feel that they're being silenced because they're afraid of uh, being seen as bigoted, right? You know, So, uh, yeah, kids are going to town with it at any rate uh, that's great John thanks so much for being here for the uh, 11th episode of Justice Centre Weekly and I know I'm going to speak to you again real soon when we do our audio podcast
1: thanks a lot we'll talk to you then have a great week and my thanks to all of the generous Canadians freedom loving Canadians who are supporting the Justice Centre financially your support makes it possible for our lawyers and paralegals and communication staff to fight for your freedoms and mine and so thanks very much